I am aware that um, this is going to be a challenge. You guys have had a full day already. Um, you are probably full uh, of food. And uh, we got a bunch of kids around. And it's been a long day, but a glorious day, a good day. And I, even as I stand in front of you now for these next few minutes, I'm very aware that, that God wants to say a few more things to our hearts, a few more things to bless us and to encourage us. As we were singing earlier, that song that perhaps for a number of us was a new song, but for others, an old and familiar song, Because He Lives. Uh, I was reminded that that was my mother's favorite him, that that hymn was sung at my mom's uh, funeral service, that hymn was sung often in our home, and I can hear my mom's sweet voice singing because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Uh, mom always used to say, I'm not a very brave woman. Uh, we used to laugh at her because she was the bravest woman we knew. Uh, but she faced death, and she said, I can face this. I confess this. This morning, uh, Galen and I took a little trip out to Lancaster, PA, uh, to visit with Amanda and Mike Brooks, as Amanda's mom is in hospice care, uh, now in a coma, and uh, likely to not have many more days here on earth. Met with Amanda's dad, and one of his first sentences coming out is, she knows exactly where she's going. She knows exactly where she's going. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. We live in a crazy world. It's a world that is, that is so full of chaos. There's sickness, there's family burden, there's financial struggles, there's personal temptations. There's a long list that each of us has of fears and Tears. We live in a world of political unrest. We live in a world in which churches are burned, as three were in the South just within the last couple of weeks, and several were bombed today in Sri Lanka, where churches are burned, where the name of Christ is hated and despised. We, we live in a world that, that defies King Jesus, and yet he is still the king. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. What does that mean? Emphatically risen. He is risen in deed. He is risen in reality. He is risen in truth. He is risen in certainty. He is risen in history. It is a done deed. He is risen indeed. And the remarkable thing about Jesus and his resurrection is that he predicted it. Many times in the course of his life, he predicted it. And one, one text that, that speaks of this is found in Matthew 16, verses 1 through 4. If you have a Bible, you may want to turn there. 
Matthew 16, verses 1 through 4. For those who are visiting with us today, just to let you know, we've been preaching our way through the Gospel of Matthew, a, a very reliable historical document that expresses to us the, the life and works and words of Jesus. And in Matthew 16, in verse 1, we read these words. The Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. In other words, red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in morning, sailors take warning. Right? That goes back a long ways in history. Jesus goes on, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. This is a mysterious, almost riddle-like text of Scripture. Believe it or not, it's a resurrection text. It's an Easter text. Here's what's, here's what's happening. Just like people today, people back then wanted proof that Jesus was who He said He was. They were asking Him, show us a sign. Show us something. Help us know that You are who You say You are. People like evidence. In fact, there's nothing wrong with wanting evidence. In fact, if you believe without evidence, that's just taking a leap of faith. It's more like superstition than faith. Faith is seeing where the evidence points and being willing to follow it. Faith is seeing where the evidence and the proof lies and submitting to it. And these people came to Jesus and they said, show us a sign. But this time, Jesus rebukes them because sometimes, hear this, sometimes... Wanting more proof is not a sign of an open mind, but a closed mind. Sometimes wanting more proof is not a sign that you want to learn. It's a sign you're looking for an excuse not to believe. And that's what's going on here. These people had seen it all. Miracles, amazing messages, healings, deliverances, power, glory, a perfect life of love and goodness and purity and holiness in Jesus. But they weren't satisfied with any of this. And so our, in our text, Jesus says, you religious people, you can, you can read the weather, you can read the skies, you can tell when it's going to be a nice day and not a nice day, but you cannot read the obvious that is right in front of you. You cannot figure out who I am. You see everything I've done, and yet you see nothing at all. Well, you're not going to get any more signs, Jesus said, except one. I'll give you one more sign. The sign of Jonah. Talk about a riddle. They must have been standing there to say, what in the world is he talking about? You know what he was talking about? If you want to learn what he was talking about, flip back in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. This wasn't the first time that Jesus had this conversation with the leaders. Matthew 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, 
An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man, talking about himself, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I bet you you children know the story of Jonah, right? You know about this prophet in the Old Testament uh, who God told him to, to go to Nineveh and preach the truth and call people to repentance. Jonah didn't want anything to do with it. Jonah jumped ship. Actually, he got thrown out of the ship. And he landed in this great big fish's mouth, and the fish swallowed him. And by the way, that really happened. Jesus is quoting it as history here. So that really happened. It's not just a story. It actually actually happened. I don't know if God actually created a great big fish just for that purpose. But Jonah lands in the water. Fish comes along, slurps him right up, and swallows him down. And he's in the belly of the fish for three days and nights, which is an old Hebrew way of just saying for at least a part of three days. So he was, he was there for a while. And then after that, God gives the fish indigestion and the fish throws Jonah up onto the land. And Jesus comes along a few hundred years later and he says, that's the sign of Jonah. And that's the only sign you're going to get from me now. Jesus is saying, just like Jonah went into the heart of the belly of the fish, I'm going to go into the heart of the belly of the earth. And after a couple of days, I'm coming back to life. And the earth is going to release me. And the tomb is going to empty out and and I'm going to come forth and I'm going to be the risen king. And Jesus says, that's the sign you're going to get. When you see that sign, you will know I am who I say I am. I wish I had time right now. We could spend the next 10 hours. We could spend the next 20, 30, 40 hours giving you all the evidence, all the proof that actually happened in history. So one of the most verifiable events in the history of the world is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he predicted his own resurrection. Imagine that. Imagine. It's, hey, it's not, doesn't take much for me to stand up here and say, I'm going to die. But if I proceed to say, and then after a couple of days, I'm going to come back to life, you're going to think I'm nuts until it happens. And then you're going to say, who is this man? Who is this, who is this Jesus who predicted his own resurrection and then three days later, even though all of his enemies did everything they could do to keep him in the grave, they set up soldiers, they put seals on this thing, they did everything they could to keep that grave occupied and three days later, it was empty. It was empty. They could not, death could not keep its prey. Jesus our Savior. Jesus is the King. That's the lesson of the whole book of Matthew, right? Those that have been with us all along. Matthew is about King Jesus. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, tells us who is the King in the Kingdom of Heaven. And the resurrection proved that He is the King 
of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, that we could say so much more about that. But what I want to, what I want to do in just these next few minutes is to show you what this king is like. Who is this? The, the psalmist cried out. Who is this king of glory? Who is this king of glory? Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 15 and 16. So follow me with, with your Bibles open. And there's, there's five qualities about this risen king that I want us to see together. The first quality is the welcoming love of the king. I want us to see the welcoming love of King Jesus. Look back at chapter 15 and verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. In reading that at first glance, you might get the impression that Jesus was not very welcoming at all. Almost feels like he's stiff-arming her and keeping her away. But really what's going on here is a simple test to draw out of this woman the depth and the, and the size of her faith. Keep in mind that this happens in Sidon and Tyre, which was way up on the north end of Israel where a lot of Gentiles were. And in fact, this woman, what's her ethnicity? She's a Canaanite. What do we know about Canaan? That was the promised land in the Old Testament where the people of Israel went into Canaan, into the promised land. And the people in Canaan were so wicked. They were so sinful that, that God just said they, they need to be punished for their sin and, and, and they need to die. This was, this was a descendant of those Canaanites. This was somebody that the Jewish people would have looked at with, with, with uh, disdain, would have looked down their noses at and, and said, this, this one is unworthy, this one is unclean, this, this one is a dog. That's how they referred to people not like them. Jesus just pauses. First he's silent and then and cryptic, and then says something that draws out of her, her faith so that he could say to her, you have great faith. This isn't Jesus stiff-arming her. This is Jesus, I think, actually showing up all the other people that are standing around. This is Jesus interacting with her in such a way that her faith shines. But what I want to see is that this is a Canaanite. This is an unclean person. This, this is a stranger. This is, this is a foreigner. This, this is someone ethnically different. And Jesus welcomes her. 
with his love. There are people, if you're visiting with us, we have the incredible joy of being a very, uh, what shall we say, blended congregation. We are a congregation of 25 or 30 different ethnicities, and, and we talk about this a lot, and there are some people who think we, we maybe talk about it too much. I'm not sure you can talk about it too much. You know, there's 17 times in the Gospel of Matthew, 17 times where the multi-ethnic nature of the church, of God's people, is talked about. It matters to God. It is important to God. It's what Good Friday and Easter were all about. Jesus died for the world. Jesus died for all kinds of people so that He could bring them into His new creation kingdom so that we could all together be something that we could never be apart or alone. And so we see right up front here, who is this King of glory? He's the King of welcoming love. Everybody's welcome. Whoever you are, whatever you have done, wherever you are from, however sinful you feel yourself to be, however unwanted you may have experienced yourself to be in life, Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you. And Jesus says, come to me, chapter 11 of Matthew. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come on, Jesus says. And he reinforces that. He reminds us of that here in Matthew chapter 15. Canaanite woman, you're welcome. Come on in. The blessings of my kingdom are for you, just like they are for everyone else. Number two. I want us to notice the commending grace of the king. The commending grace of the king. Verse 28, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. After giving her a little test, he makes sure to give her a gold star. He makes sure to declare it. Great is your faith. Now what do we know about faith? Ephesians 2 verse 9. We are, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it, the faith, is a gift of God. So faith is God's gift to us and to this Canaanite woman. Where did she get faith? A gift of God's grace in her life. And then God, Jesus, King Jesus, turns around, commends her for her faith that was a gift from God. And that, that's amazing. What kind of king is this? That he is, he gives us grace, he gives us ability, he gives us faith, and then he says, well done. This, this, don't you want to live for this kind of king? Don't you want to be a part of this kind of kingdom? He is a king who will never forget anything that we have done for him. He, he is a king that will remember every act of faith and of faithfulness. He is a king that will remember every deed of service and love. He is a king who will remember every time you gave a cup of cold water to somebody, every time you opened your door to a stranger, every time you did what he called you to do in the moment. By the way, just kids don't open doors to strangers. I, I, I heard myself say that. I said, no, come back. Pull those words back. You know, uh, adults, okay, that's for you to do. Kids, don't do that, all right? Don't do that. 
But every time we show kindness to a stranger, every time we welcome the stranger, every time we visit the sick, every time we visit the prison, every time we visit that one that has been cast out by others and welcome them to our life. Jesus remembers it all. He's the kind of king who doesn't forget. And the day is going to come when King Jesus is going to give us our turn in front of his throne. And he's going to say, well done. Great was your faith. Great was your faithfulness. Don't you live for that? I live for that. May we all live for that. King Jesus is alive and one day, one day he's going to actually thank us for serving him. I want us to notice third and quickly, the healing power of the king. The healing power of the king. Notice chapter 15 and verse 29. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and sat down there, and great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. This is who King Jesus is. He is the healing one. Do you, do you see why it's a little ridiculous that the people, the leaders later were saying, can you show us a sign? Jesus is saying, what have I just been doing? I've been healing every single person you brought to me. The, the, the lame are walking, the mute are speaking, the blind are seeing. This is what King Jesus does. He does it sometimes here and now. I was thinking this afternoon, Jillian and I were reminiscing about a friend of ours over in New Jersey back in the day in our church. His name was Ken. And Ken was about to go on a mission trip to Mexico. And he was going to drive a school bus down to Mexico, a school bus that we as a church were donating to an orphanage down there and the day before he was supposed to uh, go on this trip and drive from New Jersey to Mexico in a school bus, uh, he injured his back and could not, could not stand. Could not stand. And a group of us gathered. We laid hands on him and we prayed for him. And he got up and he walked. And he, he hopped in that school bus the next morning and just took the trip without even a single sense of pain whatsoever. Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. If we were to go around this room, we could hear dozens of stories. Dozens of stories. King Jesus healed. But this is really just a foretaste of heaven, folks. When kingdom, the kingdom of heaven arrives in its full glory, there will be no more sickness. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more pain. There will be no more headaches. There, there, will, be, there will be no more Amanda Brooks' mom in hospice. And I'll see my mom again. And she'll be completely healthy. 
and completely whole because in Jesus' kingdom, everybody's healthy. In Jesus' kingdom, everybody's whole. This is the kind of king we have. The risen king has healing power. Fourth, I want you to see quickly the compassionate provision of the king. The compassionate provision. Look at chapter 15, verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. They ate and were satisfied. Now, why did Jesus do this miracle? Was it to show off his power? Was it, was it to, to prove who he was? Was it to thrill them with another sensational miracle? No, the answer is in verse 32. I have compassion on the crowd. And I don't want, I am unwilling, I do not want to send them away hungry. Jesus is a king who cares about our needs. Jesus is a king who sees us in our needs. He's a king who sees when we're hungry, who sees when we have need for to pay the bill, who sees when we have need of clothes. He sees when we are sick. He knows our need and he cares for us. He's a good king. Really, really good king. I love thinking about King Jesus and how he provides for us. I'm old enough now that I could tell you dozens of stories in my own life of how King Jesus has provided in miraculous ways. But I I love telling stories about my dad when the missionary days back in the 1950s and 60s over in the country of Japan. This was long before internet, long before Skyping, long before FaceTime, long before uh, any kind of overnight delivery or even one week delivery. A package from here would get there six months from now. That's how it was. And I don't know if I ever told you this story before. If I had, if I have, then deal with it. So my, my dad's a big guy like me, and, and back in the day in Japan, uh, uh, the Japanese uh, folk were, were fairly small in stature. Dad stood probably eight or ten inches taller than the average Japanese man, and by far had a much bigger foot than the average Japanese man. Uh, he had a size 12 in a country where there probably was not a single size 12 shoe in the whole land. So dad was down to his last pair of shoes on a five-year term in Japan. And, and so he, he was down to this last pair of shoes. Have I told you the story? I'm here. I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, and, and back in the day, they used to say when your shoes were in really bad shape that you could walk on cardboard. You walked on cardboard when you had holes in the soles of your shoes 
and you cut out a piece of cardboard, you slid it into the shoe, and you literally walked on cardboard to get more use out of those shoes. And Dad was down to his last pair of shoes, and they, he was literally walking on cardboard, and he went out into the Japanese countryside to do some open-air preaching of the gospel to some school kids. On the way there, the rain began to fall, and it was this deluge of, of rain that fell, and he got to where they were going, and they had ripped up the road so it was just this massive mud hill the only way to get where they were going to do the preaching he had to walk through several inches of mud that absolutely ruined his shoes his last pair of shoes were done so he does the meeting he goes home he gets home and my mom greets him at the door and and says to my dad uh, hey, hon, there's, there's a package for you on the dining room table. And so dad goes in there and dad finds this box. It's about that wide and about that high and about that long. And he opens this box and inside is a pair of shoes. And there's a note from a woman from Lansing, Michigan that said this, Dear Pastor Bill, that's what everybody called dad. Dear Pastor Bill, God told me to send you a pair of shoes six months ago but I forgot. God told me again this morning and I made up my mind not to forget. And they landed in my dad's hands the very day he needed them on the other side of the planet. Because King Jesus cares. He cares. He cares for the big things. He cares for the little things. This one who is risen from the dead, this one who has authority over the grave, also has authority over all your needs. And just like he fed the 4,000, he's going to feed you because he cares. Just because he just like he provided for them, he's going to provide for you because he cares. That's just the kind of king he is. He is the risen one. And he's full of glory and full of majesty, but he has a heart that is tender and affectionate and caring and attentive. He sees right down to my dad's shoe size and says, here, my son, Bill, here's some shoes for you. You name your need, your heavenly father and your king knows that need. Whatever it is, he knows that need. King Jesus goes on here in chapter 16 to issue a pretty serious warning. He tells us to be careful about the, what he calls the, the leaven, the false teaching of the Pharisees and others. And what he's saying is, about this group of people that even though they've seen all kinds of signs, they refuse to believe in him. He's saying there, there are gonna be people who tell you lies about me. There are gonna be people who don't give you the truth of the gospel. There are gonna be people who don't tell you that I am king and Lord. There are gonna be people who when you tell, uh, there are going to be people who are going to say the cross didn't mean anything. There are going to be people who are going to say the tomb, Jesus is still dead. There are going to be false teachers. And Jesus says, be careful of them. I am who I say I am. 
Believe in me. Listen to my word. Avoid the error and the lies. Folks, this is a warning for us just like it was for them. As you think this moment about King Jesus and the resurrection, understand that there are 10,000 voices out there who are going to contradict Jesus' voice in your heart. And be sure you know the truth about Jesus. Know who He is. Know what He has done. Know what He has done for you on the cross. He died for your sins. He took the punishment, the wrath of God for your sins. Know that and believe that. And know, yes, on the third day, He was raised from the dead. And know that He ascended into heaven. And know that He reigns as King. And know that He's going to keep on reigning until every tribe and tongue and language group on the planet has somebody in the kingdom. And then He's going to come back. And then all the sickness and sorrow and suffering and church burnings and all the rest are going to be done. And we're going to enjoy King Jesus forever and ever and ever. Until that day, let us keep the faith and let us keep faithful to the King. And if you've never, never pledged your allegiance to King Jesus, do it right now. Do it right now. Something like, I pledge allegiance to you, King Jesus. You who died for my sin and rose from the dead and live today as Lord of all, I pledge my allegiance to you. I trust in you that you did all that for me and now I surrender my life. I bow my knee before your throne. I bow my knee before you, King Jesus, because you are worthy, 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 worthy of all that I am and all that I have. Say that right now in your heart. Believe that right now and you'll go out ready to live a new life because you'll have a new king. That's what this is all about. In Revelation 21, Jesus says right near the end of the Bible, he says, behold, I am making everything, what? New. If you're tired of the old, I introduce you to the one who makes everything new. If you're tired of the old sins, the old weaknesses, the old fears, the old addictions, the old marriage issues, the old parenting issues, the old whatever. If you're tired of the old, I introduce you to the king of the new, the new creation, Jesus Christ. Come to him. Bow your knee to him. And then every day becomes Easter. Every day becomes Resurrection Day. Every day becomes a new day in the power of the risen one. Let's pray. Father, oh, how I pray that King Jesus will reign. King Jesus will reign. Reign supreme, reign triumphant, reign in glory, reign in grace in each one of our hearts. If anyone is resisting the throne of Jesus, oh Lord, break down their resistance with your tender love. 
Draw them to yourself, I pray. That the risen King, King Jesus, might be our King. Amen. Amen.